0: 2022, the latest movie by writer-slash-director Damien Chazelle, The Man Who Gave Us La La Land, 2016, my favorite movie that year, and starring Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt, is not getting great reviews or performing well at the box office. But I loved it. It speaks to the magic of movies, and what it has to say about how important movies are to people is spot on, and it does this with a story about just how cruel and unforgiving the business is to those who work in it. Creating a perfect storm of opposites, how can a medium so magical and which brings such joy to people the world over be built on such depravity and callousness? And the answer the movie offers by film's end is that in the end, it's all worth it, all of it, the pain and suffering and loss, none of it matters in the long run, because movie makers create high art that is seen in theaters around the world and that connects to fans forever. Babylon takes place during the 1920s, during the era of silent movies and opens with an extravagant, decadent Hollywood party slash orgy filled with drugs, sex, music, and even an elephant. This opening pre-credit sequence goes on for over 30 minutes, and might have viewers wondering if this is the point of the movie? One long party sequence to show how Hollywood partied in the 1920s? The good news is that this is not the point of the movie. Instead, this sequence serves as an introduction to the three main characters in the story. We meet Manny Torres, Diego Calva, a young Mexican-American who is employed by the famous party host, and we first see him trying to transport the elephant to the party mansion, but it's at the party where he meets Nelly Leroy, Margot Robbie, a vibrant young actress who crashes the party in the hopes of getting discovered. Manny comments to her that she wants to become a star, and she replies that she is already a star, that you're either born a star or not, and she is. We also meet Jack Conrad, Brad Pitt, who at the time is the silent screen's biggest leading man. When the party finally ends, Manny is told to drive a drunk Jack Conrad back to his home, and he does. Jack enjoys conversing with Manny, and the next day tells Manny that he wants him to join him on the set of his movie as his personal helper, and since Manny is dying to break into the movie industry, he agrees. Meanwhile, when an actress at the party overdoses on drugs and nearly dies, the producer picks Nellie on the spot to replace her. It's a bit part, one scene, but Nellie is more than up to the task. On Jack's movie, after a brutal on-location battle sequence, the director finds himself out of cameras, and Manny is sent to find replacement cameras and get back on location before sunset, a job as he is determined to complete. The movie then follows Nellie's rise to stardom, Manny's triumphant climb to the director's chair, and Jack's slow decline from box office star to Hollywood has been as he struggles to make the transition from silent movies to sound pictures. But don't expect a star is born. As Jack learns in a conversation with tabloid reporter Eleanor St. John Jean Smart, the industry is bigger than all of them, it doesn't need any of them, and it will continue when they are dead and gone. And so, Nellie's and Manny's success is also fleeting. Getting back to the aforementioned scene, it's one of the best written in the movie, in a film that has a lot of well-written scenes. Reporter Eleanor goes on to tell Jack that while he may be broken now by his lack of success, because of the magic of movies, he will be immortalized. That 50 years after he has died, young fans born after his death will discover him on film, like him, and even believe they know him, all because he has been captured on film. It's a wonderful conversation, mostly because it is true. This is exactly what happens to actors in movies of old and describes perfectly the relationship fans and moviegoers have with these actors decades after they walked the earth. I absolutely loved the screenplay by Damien Chazelle, as it has so much to say, and in a visually stunning well-acted movie, the screenplay was my favorite part. On the surface, the screenplay speaks to the hilarious mania involved in making movies, especially during the silent era. In the battle sequence of Jack's costume movie, for example, a man dies when stabbed in the heart with a spear, and the crew stands around his body and comments that he struggled with alcohol, and he probably stabbed himself. Right. Manny is tasked with finding an additional camera before they lose daylight, and he eventually commandeers an ambulance to race the camera back to the set before the sun goes down. And then there's Jack, drunk and barely able to walk, after drinking all day waiting for the camera to arrive, painstakingly making his way up the steep hill in order for the director to get the shot. There's also a hilarious sequence chronicling Nellie's first attempt at a sound movie, and how nearly impossible it was to get the sound right. This sequence calls to mind a similar sequence in Gene Kelly's classic musical Singin' in the Rain, 1952. More on this connection later. Beneath the surface, the script has a lot to say about the discrepancies about the lives of the people who make the movies juxtaposed with the magic they make on screen, as the players often live in poverty, and then once they break into money, their lives spiral out of control due to alcohol and drugs. It's not a pretty picture. And in Nellie's case, her gambling problem leads her to cross paths with some very deadly people. The screenplay also touches upon racism, social status inequities, and gender inequality in the making of movies. There's also an ongoing argument that Jack has with his wife about movies and art. Jack argues, and eventually becomes convinced, that movies are high art and that they matter more than any other art form in the country. He argues that rich people go to Broadway, but everyday people go to the movies, and these films are so important to people's lives, and, Jack argues, Broadway plays reach thousands of viewers. But movies reach millions upon millions of viewers. It's a point well taken. It's also true. Behind the camera, Damien Chazelle scores almost as highly. While there are so many sequences with expert editing that really bring these moments to life, the film has a three-hour and nine-minute running time, and so sure, it could have used some overall editing to cut it down some. Some of these moments could certainly have been shorter. But they're also good, it's difficult to complain. For example, the long sequence near the end where Manny attempts to pay off Nellie's gambling debts to the mysterious and deadly James McKay, Toby Maguire, in a scene-stealing performance, and McKay invites Manny to an underground area of Los Angeles, is horrifying and disturbing. You can make the argument that at this point in the film, the movie goes full-blown horror movie. It's terrifying. While Brad Pitt gets top billing, the story is mostly about Nellie and Manny, and as such Margot Robbie and Diego Calva get most of the screen time, and they are both terrific. I'm a huge fan of Margot Robbie, and she delivers here yet again. We just saw her in Amsterdam, 2022, another top-quality movie which also featured a superior Margot Robbie performance. Here, as Nelly, Robbie is wild, unpredictable, and a force to be reckoned with. Diego Calva is equally as good as Manny, the young man who will do whatever it takes to work in the movies, and as such, he develops a reputation for being a go-to guy on set, a reputation that continually earns him more and more responsibility. He is also in love with Nelly, and he is always there to help her, even when the situation she finds herself in turns deadly. Brad Pitt, in what turns out to be a quiet understated performance, anchors the film with his portrayal of silent film star Jack Conrad. At first, Jack is the confident lead man, never meeting a problem he can't solve or a movie he can't lead, but when he fails to make a successful transition to sound movies, he realizes that while his visage on screen may live on, he is forever stuck making mediocre sound movies because he's just not as good in them as he was in the silent films. There are other notable performances as well. Giovanna Depo as trumpet player Sidney Palmer, Jean Smart as columnist Eleanor St. John, Olivia Wilde as Jack's wife Ina, Lucas Haas as Jack's manager George, Lee Jun Lee as the erotic Lady Faye, and Toby Maguire as James McKay are all terrific, as are many others. As I said earlier, There's a strong connection between Babylon and Singing in the Rain. The plot of Singing in the Rain is all about Gene Kelly's character trying to make the transition from silent movies to talkies, and since it's a 1950s Hollywood musical, it's all in good fun and has a happy ending. Events in Babylon mirror events from Singing in the Rain. Heck, Brad Pitt's Jack even sings Singing in the Rain as part of a musical number in one of his talking movies. The difference here is that Babylon also shows the dark underbelly of the industry, complete with sex, drugs, blood, and death. And Manny, who lived it, buys a ticket to see Singin in the Rain upon its release, some 30 years after the events of his movie-making experiences, and the last shot of the movie reveals Manny's thoughts as to whether it was all worth it or not. Babylon is an ambitious and near-brilliant movie. I'm tempted to say I loved every minute of it, but at three hours and nine minutes long, that wouldn't be true. Yes, it could've used some editing to cut it down some. But other than this, Babylon is a phenomenal movie that has so much to say about the movie industry, its place in the world as an art form, and its relationship with it adoring fans, the world over. I give it three and a half stars. End Rating System Four stars, excellent. Three stars, very good. Two stars, fair. One star, poor. Zero stars. Awful.